Hello and welcome to Mixed Feelings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Real AFM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host Jillian Parker. Hey everyone! Hey Quinn! Hey, do you like how I gesture to myself when I say my name every week? I, yes, I just do that fail. automatically. <laughs> As if you can all see me. She also, like, smiles a little bit brighter, and she's like, I'm Quinn. Well, you can't see me either, but I made a face. (laughs) I just, like, I'm used to trying to, like, impress people when I introduce myself. Although, I don't know why I have to gesture myself either, because it's not like, if I'm saying I'm this person, I don't know why they would be confused as to who I am. You never know. (laughs) I'm sorry I've already pushed this off the rails. How are you doing? I'm doing... Okay, I just had a final exam, so yeah, my finals. brain is a little fried. Yeah, I have my first final tomorrow. Oh my god, one of the questions was like, um, dis- it was like, discuss Trump's trade policy. And I was like, can Trump discuss his own trade policy? Does Trump have a trade policy? Yeah, and it's stupid. <laughs> okay, <laughs> just checking. It's America first. If you put me in that exam and asked me to guess, like, that's what I would have said. <laughs> it was like, what would you, it was like, what would you advise, like, the u.s to do and i was like oh boy impeach trump maybe <laughs> oh, no but it was related to trade so i had to like give actual answers and oh st- stuff all right fine i know i could advise the u.s to do so many things i do all the time just from my desk and no one listens yeah even though they well some of your things they some should. people yeah. listen but like no one in the u.s government listens i'm going to assume if you're in the u.s government let me know <laughs> also what the hell are you doing <laughs> I don't trust government. Really? (laughs) I was, like, so on my exam or whatever, they always talk about how, like, oh, and sometimes a tariff is better because then, like, you still get revenue and, like, the government, like, gets revenue from taxes and that's, like, positive because it adds to the social surplus. And I was like, does it, though? Does it really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Maybe if it was allocated fairly or, like, redistributed in a way, but it's not. Okay, I promise this isn't what the episode is about. Um, We're actually going to start today uh, with the most hilarious story I've seen in a while, and I pinged it immediately because it has to do with sweet green. And I love sweet green. Jillian and I were having dinner the other night, and a couple seats away from us in the dining hall were two other people who we, like, kind of know but don't really know having their own private conversation about sweet green. And Jillian interrupted them to tell them how much she loves sweet green. Okay, to be fair. And to give the guy a referral code. (laughs) Yeah, and he still didn't use my code yet because I have not gotten $3 off my salad. Wow, Um, the random person who interrupted him at dinner didn't use the referral code? I knew the girl, though. Like, we had sung in chorus for, like, a year. Okay. But I did not know him, and most of my comments were directed towards this random person, but whatever, it's fine. It was a wild time. And uh, I'm just trying to increase his consumer surplus. I don't see what the problem is. Anyway, so you can see, you can understand why, like, anything that had to do with Sweet Green, I immediately had to tell Jillian about it and put it on the show. But basically, uh, TLDR version of this story um, is that there's this app called HQ Trivia, which I honestly have never played and had never heard of before this, but apparently it's hugely popular, um, and you just play trivia in real time, and it's like this online game show on your phone, and it seems pretty fun, and you can win real money. And the host of the show is named uh, Scott Rogowski, I think is how you say his name. Um, 
Again, I have never seen this show and he's super popular. And so the Daily Beast wanted to do this basically like fluff profile on him and was, he like talked about his favorite food. He talked about how much he likes sweet green and all just fluffy stuff, you know? And the CEO just went off and said, like, you can't publish that. We don't have a brand deal with Sweet Green. You can't publish that he likes Sweet Green. <laughs> and, among other complaints that were all equally absurd. Um, but, oh, my God, it was so funny. I love Sweet Green, and I want to I wanna deal with Sweet Green. But that's not related <laughs> to the point. If we ever have a sponsorship, it's going to be from Sweet Green. I hope you all know that. I literally just became a gold card member, which means I spent $1,000 on Sweet Green in the past year. Oh, my God, Jillian. What? I also want you to know this girl doesn't eat anything but Sweet Green. Like, she doesn't eat in the dining hall. I, yeah, no. Which is why I never see you. Yeah. This is a call-out session now. <laughs> I came out to record a podcast, and I feel like I'm being personally attacked. Good, because you are. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> but yeah, after this happened, the sweet green, it blew up all over the place because it was just so absurd. Because they just ended up writing an article about the CEO and, like, how out there he was. Um, and sweet green tweeted at the host, Scott, and was like, hey, Scott, you can come work for us. You get free sweet green. <laughs> and then um, and to apologize the CEO, like took a picture of him and Scott at Sweet Green and was like, I'm sorry, I was just stressed out and mean. Yeah, and uh, Quinn shows me this picture, and the first thing I do is I'm like, ooh, I wonder which salad that is. Did you figure out which it is? No, I think it's a custom. Oh, okay. I've never been to this establishment. In case anyone doesn't know, because tons of people don't know about this chain, um, it's a salad store. They sell salad. Mm-hmm. Sweet Green is the new bougie salad place. Oh, and it is great, and I love it. I'm very happy for you. Me too. Okay. <laughs> oh, we have nothing to actually say about this, by the way. We just, Sweet Green got in the news. We had to talk about it. Yeah, but Sweet Green, or if anyone <laughs> works for Sweet Green and wants to give me a brand sponsorship. Or Does anyone deal- want a referral code? <laughs> <laughs> Hit me up. <laughs> I honestly, I eat it and I feel like I've reached like my, pe- like Nirvana. Okay. <laughs> You know, we're just, and we're, we're moving on. We're done. Yep, okay. Well. <laughs> so about a week ago, the FCC, the Federal Communications Commission in the United States, announced a plan to get rid of net neutrality, um, which is shorthand for this idea of that, like, you pay for your internet and then all of your internet kind of works in the same lane. There aren't fast lanes for certain websites. You don't have to pay extra f- to access certain websites. Um they can't throttle your internet if you're on a site that they don't like or they can't block any sites. Um, like your internet provider just provides the internet and you decide what you do with it. The proposed plan wouldn't necessarily block any of those things, but it would get rid of the law that says you can't do any of those things. And as we know from markets and all of human history, um, that would mean that if these big companies can make more money by charging more for certain websites, they totally will. And therein lies the debate and the problem and the issue that we have come here today to discuss. Yeah, and in the past few episodes, I feel like Quinn and I have pretty much agreed on a lot of things, you know, because we both believe in the decency of being a nice human being. Um, But this is where we are going to get into a little bit of a... (laughs) an argument. (laughs) So if we did not make this clear, I am not for net neutrality and Quinn is. What a surprise. Wow, shocker. Did not see that one coming. Why are you not in favor of net neutrality? 
I just don't, I don't, I think it's not that I have something like very against it. It's just that when people are trying to defend it and say that we need to have it, that's when I start to get annoyed because implying that like the whole system is going to collapse if we don't have net neutrality, which, you know, it might in the beginning, but everything balances out in the end, mean reversion and whatnot. But that's, that's basically a very like loose, just how I feel, like my intuition and my gut behind it. Um, but Quinn, like, what do you think, what do you think are the benefits of net neutrality? And then I can combat those. <laughs> okay. Um, so basically I think that the main issue with getting rid of net neutrality is I think that the basic free market argument for this is that, um, competition like makes a better market and that if you have, if you have different internet service providers and one is charging too much for these different options, then people will move internet service providers and then it will all balance out in the end because people will be making different choices. And like, sure, you might be paying more for certain websites and others depending on your provider, but you'll be able to make the best choice. And if the market is more diversified then everyone, or at least, you know, in theory, most people can be made better off. But that totally falls apart because they're tons of people in the country who only have one option for an internet service provider which means that provider can do whatever they want and their options are pay for whatever they need to pay for it or just don't have internet so i'm just confused why they're using net neutrality as sort of this you know epitome of free markets but then they it's basically a government regulation like i don't understand they're trying (laughs) to make something not government regulated by using a government regulation to defend it well it's not that because like the government isn't the government isn't regulating me it's regulating my service provider and it's saying that you can't charge me more for certain websites um and so it's but they're not telling me that i have to access certain websites or not the government is not blocking any websites for me um besides like the dark web we're not going to get into the dark web because i don't know anything about it but if you take away net neutrality then like these companies have the power to do what they want and again like that's going to mean different prices for certain websites and certain things that people want to access but wouldn't the company that so basically companies want to attract the most people so wouldn't it make sense for at least one company to be like hey we're going to be different and then capture the entire market by not charging people different prices no but that's what i'm saying in so many parts of the country there's only one option this is complete in rural areas there is most often one option for your service provider because there's only one provider that covers your area and so they effectively have a monopoly there's like many small monopolies that go on in the united states for different areas right but if if the other companies know that and they're like oh this person is not going to be happy with this internet provider because they're the only provider in their market and then they they, they have to do it but they don't want to pay these extra prices for certain websites why can't we just come in and capture the market and then get all of like because this requires physical infrastructure you can't just come into the market you have to like physically build things in order to provide internet for these people which is an additional charge and is the reason why it doesn't already exist in the first place why this why the competition doesn't already exist well i think maybe it doesn't exist right now because companies aren't making enough money to be able to do that and if they do incorporate this and then people actually have to pay they can use those funds to build the infrastructure in the rural areas so they can generate you know but i also think that your argument hinges on this idea that there will be companies 
that decide to capture more of the market by having lower prices. But I think that all prices overall are going to be higher because they can be higher. Like, I don't think there's going to be anything that maintains the current level that we have right now because there will be no motivation to do that. Yes, to capture the market. Yeah, but I'm saying that, like, if everyone... But just for an example, like, if everyone starts charging an extra $5 a month for YouTube and an extra $5 a month for Twitter, um, and I'm just totally making up numbers and websites, for an example, but... And so everyone's paying $10 more than they already are if they want to access those websites, or if they can't pay that, they can't access those websites, which is another thing. Um, But um, in that case, sure, maybe some people, like one of those fees is taken off or like you only have to pay $2 more than you were like last year for this website. But I'm saying that like the whole market is going to rise up because that when that becomes standardized, there's not going to be the incentive to go back to like net neutrality prices. Why wouldn't there be incentive? Because I mean, unless all of the companies agree that they're not going to charge below $5, which they can't because collusion, um, every company has the incentive to undercut prices as much as possible to capture the largest market share um, and set their price equal to like the cost of providing it. So yes, prices would inflate temporarily, but I think companies, or at least the, the good companies, would realize that they could capture more of a market share and potentially maximize their profits if they lower the price and then get more you know, volume. Yes, in theory, but in practice, it again goes back to like, this is not a perfect, perfectly competitive market. There are not that many internet service providers and like there is required like starting costs and infrastructures for moving into new infrastructure costs for moving into new markets. And again, like even, even if every provider in the country, like could reach everywhere in the country, that still wouldn't be like that many um, companies like on the corporate level. So I just don't think that like those competitive, like that model is, is the model of like a perfectly competitive market. And I think that this is an um, oligopoly at the best. Right. But if we use those prices, why couldn't they just build more firms? If they're if now, if they are charging higher prices, then yes, consumers are going to suffer in the short run. But if the companies use those profits to capture more market share by going into the markets where there's only one firm and then capturing those people then potentially lowering prices in the future. Yeah, I just don't think that that's likely to change. Yeah, so consumers would suffer in the short term. Like, I'm not saying that they wouldn't, but if companies are hiking up prices and then making more money and then trying to go into markets, like, where there's only one big firm and then try to capture that market share by building, going through and building the infrastructure to make that happen, why wouldn't they? So just for reference, we did a we did a um, research check, and according to Wikipedia, that one third of Americans have either like no options um, for internet providers, or like they only have one option. So like just that's our frame of reference for how many people we're talking about. My argument against that is that like there is already um, this huge gap in in the market of like only having one provider. Um, and not having that many options. Like, and I know about this because my home, like, there, there are very few options. And my parents, they just, like, can't get fast internet. There literally just, like, aren't <laughs> providers um, in our area that can, like, give them that. Which I just think is such a weird thing to think about for someone who is, like, going to school in 
uh, metropolitan area where of course there are many many options anyway but there's already this issue of like there are under underserved areas and areas that aren't being served at all and so you would think that like companies would go in and as you say like try to capture that market but they're not and I because think they that, don't have them they they're not pr- price discriminating yeah but like so if like in the in this happens and like they're able to charge way more for this kind of thing then yeah maybe they'll be able to like a few companies will expand and then people will have more options but like they'll have more options because every company is charging a lot more and it's it's i don't think that problem is going to go away right so prices are going to increase but then like once and once this happens for a while and enough companies are like going into areas, then they'll have to compete against the companies that were like, oh, hey, let's build in this area. And so I, I need to we need to come up with like an imaginary town because this is not working. OK, anyways, um, so if all so if all of these companies are hiking up the prices, yes, consumers suffer because they have to pay more for um, certain websites um, and then companies use these profits to start building in areas so they can capture more consumers and like expand their consumer base right so then they're building comp- they're building more networks in these rural areas um and i don't think one company is just going to do that i think there's going to be a fight to do it and then once they get into the areas then there's going to be like competition to see who can have lower prices and capture more of the market share and how many years do you think it's going to take before we actually get to a place where there's proper competition in these areas? I mean, probably not, like, tomorrow, so... Because I, I, I think, like, I still am not sold on this idea that, like, that would ever happen and that we would ever have a properly competitive thing that was um, comparable to the provider rights that we have now under net neutrality. But even if it did, like, I think that would be decades. But net neutrality... I just don't understand why... Net neutrality is like this epitome of free markets and like competition. Well, it's not necessarily the epitome of free markets and competition, but it is the with the best that we have for a free internet and like free access for the person, not the company. Right. Because like we because companies are prohibited from having these fast lanes and from being able to charge people more for different things or from being able to like if they have a deal with Netflix, like Netflix streams faster than Hulu, and it just does if you're on this one provider, um, because like that's what's so they currently can't do the, do those deals. But if they got rid of net neutrality, they could. Right, but wouldn't that inc- how would it? Why would that not increase the motivation to innovate and try to make it cheaper for more websites, like the providers? What do you mean? Like, how would that innovation, what would that innovation look like? Like, couldn't they just, um, I mean, I think just in general, like, I don't really know how tech works. So you can, people can correct me when I'm wrong. Um, But I just feel like there has to be some way to expand or to like, you know, innovate even within these providers and the providers would like have to expand, maybe open more fast lanes and things like that. So like, I don't understand like why, getting rid of net neutrality would reduce that um, that incentive if they know that if they can do that and they can get the prices lower and they are able to decrease how much it costs for them, then they would be able to charge lower prices. No, but this isn't the companies being able to do things more cheaply. It's them artificially 
It's them being able to artificially throttle internet speeds for certain websites over others. And like it's not it has nothing to do with like them being able to do things more cheaply. It's them being able to charge websites more money. Right. So I don't like I don't see how innovation fits in here. Like they there wouldn't and I don't also don't know how like the the technical details of like the fast lane idea works, but if there is this motivation to innovate to like as you say like have more fast lanes, but that doesn't translate to anything f- beneficial for the consumer or for anything except for the service provider that's now able to charge more for those spots. Okay. So your argument is that now that companies can selectively so you're saying that like netflix would have to pay a higher price for their for this provider to like stream them faster is what you're saying yeah so right so why wouldn't netflix then try to innovate like how would they innovate because they can't control how fast the provider is going to stream them I mean, wouldn't then there just be a competition among the providers and, like, among between, like, Netflix and all the big websites about who can buy, like, the cheapest or, like, yeah, who can buy the cheapest whatever um, provider? Well, I mean, I think what's I think what's most likely to happen is, like, oh, this company has a deal with Netflix, so Netflix is the fastest on them, but this company has a deal with Hulu, and so Hulu's faster on them, Um which again leads to the same problem of like consumers not having choices, um, and like, and and certain websites are just throttled on certain providers um, because like there's not going to be one provider that gets the fastest speeds for everything, unless there could be, you know, like, I mean, natural monopolies are very rare, but like, and also is like really not been the best for telecom companies (laughs) and i think really my overarching point on this because and we can debate back and forth on like our predictions to the economic models and how things are going to go but what is going to happen is that if net neutrality gets taken away prices will go up for some people and prices will go up for some websites maybe not like immediately perhaps um i don't know maybe people have this rare and ago but you, you see this happen in, like, in like Portugal. Um, they don't have net neutrality. And, like, people have shared screenshots, and they were like, this is really what happens. And, like, you buy bundles, and it's, like, $5 a month for, like, YouTube and Twitter, and, like, another $5 a month if you want, like, Hulu and Amazon. And... Oh, but then... Yeah, so, first of all, I don't know if Portugal is, like... Like, the population of Portugal is probably very different from the population of the U.S. But, oh, like... Yeah. <laughs> well, but, like, if they do have those deals, like, those bundles, then the companies... I mean, not the companies, the... um the websites themselves would have to like compete with each other right and that would i think increase that would motivate innovation right because if you have to choose between hulu and netflix then netflix and hulu are going to try to be the best and try to get the best deal with like the largest um provider and so they're going to have to like compete with each other yeah but first of all they're already competing with each other and second right. of all, because because you already pay for Netflix and Hulu, like they're already paid products. Um, 
and that they would just be like an additional thing for like your service provider to actually give them to you beyond paying for the accounts. And this would apply for like lots of websites that are currently free. Um, like I mentioned, like, like Twitter and Facebook and all these social media things. But um, the point beyond the idea of like economic models and innovation and whether or not this would help innovation and that kind of stuff is that like some people will not be able to pay for it. And like, like just period, full stop. Um, and whether or not prices go down eventually, like there are some people who will not be able to pay for it. Like a large proportion of people who can currently access the internet um, through their standard package will not be able to access the full internet anymore. And that is going to be seriously harmful for a lot of people. One, the consumers of the internet who just like won't be able to get onto certain things anymore. But also like the people who are making livings on the internet um, and who suddenly their customer base is cut off when they can't access certain websites and they like they don't have as many people on Twitter um, to, to reach their products and all and all of these things it, it is going to have a domino effect because when you cut off like the free and open internet, I really believe that that the internet should be considered like this essential part of human society and American society and that, when you cut that off, it is going to have detrimental effects to people's lives and their careers. So I understand like that, like how it's harder for like, say startups. And if you want to like start something and you don't have like enough money to pay for like the fast lane, that's going to harm you. But I also think like, I honestly, I think like bigger firms would like support them. Yeah. But like, if you're talking about innovation, we get innovation from startups and from smaller people. Right, but it was also weed out the f- websites or the startups that aren't, like, going to succeed, right? Well, not necessarily, because... Well, if they can't pay for, like, fat... If they can't pay to be, like, on a fast provider, then they'll, like, die out, right? But this isn't necessarily that, that people can't pay to be on a fast provider. That's part of it. But it's also c- the consumers can't pay for the sites to, to even reach these products, like if people can't like if people don't if people don't have access to Twitter, like there are tons of people who find success and expand their networks through these social media websites. And if the same if the consumer base on those websites is severely cut off because they're just ordinary consumers that can't pay for that extra money, then a lot of people are going to suffer. So if they make their living off of Twitter, then wouldn't that I don't know provide like more incentive to like innovate and try to like gain more of a consumer base because like like the whole thing with like net neutrality they won't say tomorrow yep nope like internet you have to pay for it like there has to be some sort of time frame right and within that time frame then people are going to panic and try to like innovate and do that so like i think that so like how is that not innovation yeah and there will be some people who already have successful fan bases and successful products who are able to move on to different things to reach their customers in a different way, sure. But it will not be the same kind of open internet that we have now. And if we don't have the same kind of public access to social media websites, people will not be able to build audiences the way that they currently are able to. I just feel like it makes things harder, but like I just don't understand why it would impede innovation in the long run. I think that it puts a very deliberate structural socioeconomic boundary in front of being able to do certain things that currently are not totally meritocratic because 
the structural biases exist everywhere, but a lot more meritocratic than it would be afterwards. And I believe that that just fundamentally leads to a less innovative, less open society. So you're saying that if people, I don't, but like, if people realize that they need to like get their act together and like be like, oh, like I have to have this consumer base, like I have to do that, they'll like f- get, they'll try to find ways and try to like talk, like they're not, people aren't like isolated in like one bubble. If you're on social media, you definitely, ha- or if you have, if you want a chance at social media, you have have to talk and you have to interact with other people, right? Yeah. So then I just don't, like your network is your net worth, right? So I feel like you can make some sort of connection or you need, you'll like, you're forced to make some sort of connection, right? And that motivates you to like, okay, like if I want this to work, then I have to really want it. And then I have to like find someone at Google or something like that to support me. Yeah, but like how many people can just find someone at Google? That's not that's not an access that the vast majority of people have. I don't know. I feel like if you really want to do something, you'll do it. <sighs> that's true to a point, but it's just it's not that no one will be able to do anything ever again. It's that it's going to get significantly harder. It's going to get and it's going to be significantly more open to people who already have networks and connections to high up people and places and and traditional structural like media and tech places which is the same as it's always been and that we won't have the same avenues open for new voices and people who don't necessarily have connections in silicon valley or hollywood to be able to build careers off of the internet but i feel like the people in silicon valley like know that and they would try to like it's like recruiting for jobs right they're they want to recruit like innovators so why wouldn't but it's really easy to just recruit out of mit for that kind of thing like it's so easy for places like that to just go to the to the places they already know and i think that the new voices come in when they force them when they force a a space open for themselves um and that's what we've seen come out of the internet right but this would make this would like have make them have to like force into it more which would then i think I think that's the argument. Like it would have to have it would have to increase innovation and motivation on their part. So yeah, like okay, you're trying hard already and now you're going to have to try like 10 times harder, but then that like weeds out like that's going to innovate or motivate you to be better than like the person who's just like you but worse. Like in the same position but worse. Yeah, but like what is the avenue then besides already knowing someone or being able to like go to the right school? or the right company, or something like that. Like, what is the open avenue? So, I mean, don't you have, like, they have to give you some sort of time limit, right? Like, some sort of warning? So you're saying everyone has six months to get famous, or you're out? Yes. No. this I'm not just talking about, like, people who are doing this actively, like, right now, or possibly on the verge of breaking out. I'm talking about, like, like the forever timescale of this. Yeah, but I think Google, like, definitely... Like, big companies definitely have contests and, like, where anyone can enter and things like that. And that increases innovation, motivation, you know? So Yeah, like, on the internet. <laughs> yeah, so, so they would have to, like, go out and, like, do more work. So, like, everyone does more work. I don't understand. If everyone has to work harder, then, like... Yeah, but people who are already wealthy and well-connected don't have to work harder. And so those people will so just you're continue... Saying, Right. But like they got to that point by working hard. 
No, most of them got to that point. Be- not everyone, but a lot of people got to that point because their parents were wealthy. <laughs> yes, because maybe like their parents worked hard or their parents' parents worked hard, right? Yeah, but so, like that like, doesn't necessarily mean that they earned anything or that they deserve something more than anyone else. And I'm not, not saying that they necessarily don't either, but that like that it's sh- there should be these avenues to be more meritocratic and to give people different opportunities. If you do that, if you say, like, I, I guess this just, like, talking about that then, like, leads to the whole argument, oh, like, maybe, like, there should be no such thing as inheritances. Like, everyone should start off from, like, the same position and, like, you are born into this world and you're, like, given the same opportunity as everyone else. Okay, fine. But then that literally doesn't give you, mo- like, that doesn't give me motivation to, like, go out and do things. There's just, I just feel like a lot of people do put emphasis on creating this legacy and creating like this family name and if like your kids can't inherit that then like what's the point you know what i mean like okay for, i think this is digressing like oh this is completely digressing before, so which i have lots to say about that but I'm, I'm gonna bring it back a little bit okay because i i'm also like i'm not naive enough to think that like your status in life and who your parents are is never going to have an effect on your success in life like of course it is always going Mm -hmm. to because that's just how our society functions i'm just saying that like i and we're also we're getting so big picture with this um and now it's just kind of like an existential conversation about the internet but um i do believe that there are significant ways that a free and open internet has allowed people from not privileged backgrounds to be able to build audiences to reach people and to have these places open that like yeah maybe they are they're easy to access um and because like it's free to make an account on like twitter or instagram or tumblr or youtube um it's not necessarily easy to build audiences and people are working really hard for that but that like the access points are open and that you don't need wealth or connections to start something like that Whereas in a world where there are more significant financial barriers put toward these, and seriously, like an extra $5 a month is a financial barrier for a lot of families in the United States. Um, If there are extra barriers put there, then that is just one more thing that pushes our society back towards like you need money and status to be successful in certain industries. Um, and this is a very long-winded thought, I'm sorry, but, and I just think that is the wrong direction, and I think that is the effect that, that taking away net neutrality will have. But we've always had, so, but we've always had net neutrality. Yes. So nobody knows what would happen. So we are, like, hypothetically saying things could get worse, but, like, theoretically, and think, theoretically, things could get worse, but unless, like, something actually happens, you, I don't know if you can just make a definitive statement saying that this would definitely, like, harm. Well, what I'm saying is that, like, from my understanding of the way that markets work and the way the world works, I'm pretty confident that prices would be raised and these bundles would occur, um, again, like, not maybe immediately, but, like, in time, um, and, and that... Like these price changes will one cut off potential creators and innovators from these websites, and two, I think perhaps more significantly, cut off potential consumer bases from these websites. Maybe, but I don't think like I don't know necessarily if, necessarily if it would decrease the amount or the ability for innovators to like do their thing so drastically. I think it would just change the system. I think it would be like, okay, so. 
now people have to choose like or now um you if you have to pay for certain websites and like you don't want to like you don't want to pay I just feel like schools and then like companies would like do that for you like it would be more it would be like health insurance where you would get it through like your school or your employer I think it would become more I think it would be follow that system because that's going really well what how health insurance (laughs) I don't think that (laughs) regardless of anything else I don't think it would work more like health insurance in the United States is a a good argument for anything (laughs) well like if if health insurance like well whatever we shouldn't even have health insurance but anyways um (laughs) all right we could talk about this forever so we have decided to stop now um we would just like i would just like to make a concluding statement um that i stand by the idea of a free and open internet and i believe that removing net neutrality would be significantly harmful to this concept that it would remove like this push towards a more meritocratic society not that we've gotten there but we have gotten closer through the use of the internet and we haven't even gotten into the idea of like blocking websites altogether and other potential disastrous things that could happen from this and i'm honestly just going to ramble and not have a concise thought but i believe in this so strongly (laughs) i'm done i'm finished (laughs) Yeah, and no, like, Quinn has made some incredible points. Like, it definitely has made the system or, like, the opportunity to get into social media um, and to get into different places that you might not have been able to have access to before. Like, that makes it definitely possible. But I think that net neutrality has been the status quo. And until we can, like, prove that net neutrality is definitively better than not net neutrality, I just don't see how I can't make a definitive statement about which I just don't think we can rule out the concept of not having net neutrality if we've never really experienced it um, in this day and age and have some sort of metric of comparison. Thank you for talking to me about this. Uh, and I'm sorry that took over the whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, but also not sorry. Because this was, I think this was an interesting conversation. We, Quinn and I may have some disagreements about net neutrality, but we are in definite agreement that Meghan Markle being the new mem- the newest member or soon to be member of the royal family is lit af American princess black American princess she will be the first biracial member of the royal family and that is just so so awesome like i don't know it's taken a long time but here's it's th- awesome here's the thing um, and before anyone says she'll technically be a duchess or whatever the hell she would technically be, I don't care. She's a princess. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So everyone needs to relax. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't know who Meghan Markle is, she's actually an actress. Mm-hmm. Um, she's, she's in Suits. She I, says, I love Suits. <laughs> so good. I yeah. watched that all the time when I wanted to be a lawyer for like a hot five seconds. But then I realized that my life as a lawyer would not be <laughs> like the lawyers in Suits. It would not be that fun. And the people would not be as attractive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Meghan Markle is beautiful, and she's just so great in suits. Oh, but she's going to retire as an actress, from being an actress, obviously. Yeah, because now she's going to be a princess. Yes. that's a full-time job. It is a full-time job. I would not know from personal experience, but I've seen Princess Diaries 1 and 2, (laughs) so... And she's so cool, though, and she's a humanitarian and has done such amazing things all over the world, and she's beautiful and sophisticated and and just seems perfect um and so you can totally see why like not only is she 
just great and like obviously also this is prince harry by the way she's marrying prince harry i don't even think we said that (laughs) yeah oh because he's irrelevant not only okay so it's okay fine like prince harry's in love with her great whatever but we are also in love with her (laughs) i know of the two of them i would pick her (laughs) (laughs) actually though (laughs) i don't know it seems great like in interviews they seem to love each other a lot which is just so cool and then she's a really unconventional choice because obviously she is american and she is biracial and those are two like things that used to be a big no-no for the english royalty um but now we're chill we're all cool now um and i think she's divorced which is wait what a big deal I oh think my god I've, like for a long time that was like explicitly illegal that english royalty cannot marry divorced people like you couldn't get divorced it was this whole thing oh my god now he's famous um yeah they're in their mid-30s um and i think prince harry had like a playboy reputation for a little while i think he did yeah, but now he's cleaned up his act, um, and he's marrying this beautiful woman. And apparently they keep talking about – because, you know, I keep looking stuff up about this. Um, they basically kept their relationship secret for a while, and they did that by just, like, going to private places and spending a ton of time together in private with no one else around. And so they were like, yeah, so they've been dating for a little over a year, but they've spent so much time together that they were like, yeah, we're ready to get married. Yeah, and I think that's great because it's like, okay, well, if – you want to have a relationship that's not, you know, being publicly scrutinized all the time. <laughs> Taylor Swift. Um, you have to do these things, like, and keep it on the DL and stuff. Yeah, and it's just so cool. She's so pretty. I'm so excited. And for all you people out there, there are a lot of you, yes, you, um, who are all like, this is just frivolous and, you know, the monarchy is problematic and it's a waste of money and it's colonialist and all of these things yes but also princess (laughs) just like i we we all know like we know that the the british monarchy is a ridiculous like archaic colonialist relic of a time that we should no longer be preserving but it's a it's just like a fun thing now they are they are a tourist attraction they are diplomats i'm into the american princess thing Um, also my taxes aren't paying for the British monarchy, so not my tax, not my problem. <laughs> Good principles there, Jillian. <laughs> but yeah, you know, it's like, and uh, as I've heard from a lot of British people, it's like Americans are so much more into the British monarchy than British people are, which I totally get. Um, but at the same time, like the amount of money, like tourism money that goes into visiting British royals from american tourists and tourists from other countries around the world like y'all can chill a little bit yeah we are helping you generate so much gdp so much they're like the number one tourist attraction yeah i know and i mean i went to buckingham palace when i was in london i was like hell yeah um so obviously we know who the royal family of um you know (laughs) the royal family but what about in america the kardashians you would say the Kardashians over, because there was an argument where it was like, oh, maybe Beyonce and Jay-Z, but... Here's the thing. I, I had that answer immediately, because I was actually talking to someone about this. She wrote a paper arguing why the Kardashians are, like, the American royalty, because I, I like, fully believe that Beyonce and Jay-Z are royalty in their own right, like, Illuminati-style royalty. Oh, true. Um, but it's not the same kind of, like, public fascination tourism tabloid obsession which i think follows the royal family and follows the kardashians in similar ways 
Yeah, and I guess, yeah, you're right, because the Kardashians aren't just a royal family, they are a dynasty. <laughs> they <Yeah>. really are. <laughs> I think that, like, Beyonce and Jay-Z are, so, are just above, like, they are aloof. They're, like, better than that, you know? Yeah, and I'm not necessarily saying that, like, the Queen of England is, like, the Kardashians, but it's more like the Kardashians are the American version of what the royal family is in England. <laughs> yes. They have their own scandals, and I think the Kardashians probably have more of them. Unclear. <laughs> the um, royal family and, has a head start. <laughs> yeah, and has any of them, like, have, what have they done besides being Kardashians? Well, Kendall Jenner is actually the, was the highest paid model this year. So she has that going for her. Oh, yeah. and Kim She Car- beat Giselle. Oh, my God. Yeah, Giselle. Was it Kim who made, like, $75 million in perfume in one day? Yeah, and also when she had that app. Yeah. Or she still has that app. They're very rich. (laughs) Yes. And then when Kanye tried to start GoFundMe because he was bankrupt, I'm like, you are married to a Kardashian. I am sure you're doing just fine. We're not going to question what's going on with Kanye. (laughs) No. And I also think they have a similar thing is, like, a lot of Americans want to disavow them the same way that British people want to disavow the royal family. Yeah, I mean, everyone should just be me. I disavow everyone. (laughs) Okay, and that's going to be it from us this week. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can find us at MixedFeelingsFM, where you can tweet us or send us a DM. You can find us online at relay.fm slash mixedfeelings, where you can see our show notes. There's also a contact form if you want to email us. Or you can find us in the Apple Podcast Store. If you like, you could leave us a review. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me. Ugh, gotta love it. (laughs) I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings. Thanks for talking with me. Ugh, gotta love it. You trying to come up with another phrase besides always a pleasure. Yeah, and it did not it did not work. Carry on. Okay. Um I'm Jillian I was gonna say Jillian Rose. Oh my god. <laughs> we always do that. Quinn Parker, Jillian Rose. Okay. Okay. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. <laughs> okay. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these are stop. <laughs> I have to say her name. Okay, I need to say. And I these were our mixed. I'm t- leaving all of this in. <laughs> Literally, why are you like this? Why am I like this? Um, I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our mixed feelings. <laughs> we gotta do that one more time. Okay, just take a deep breath. Wait, I can't. <laughs> I need to think of something sad. Taxes. <laughs> That sobers you up real quick.